Welcome to Talkin' Truth with comedian Dan Whitney, aka Larry the Cable Guy, and Pastor Brian Clark. Today, Dan's wife, author Kara Whitney, joins them. I live my life thinking that I was orchestrating my own situations. And it's so much more peaceful to know I'm not in control. A lesson Jacob is going to have to learn. That was perfect, Danny. Okay, that's uh, our podcast. They'll be talking truth about the Bible and life and having a little fun. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Talking Truth with Dan Whitney and Brian Clark. Also, I am known as Larry the Cable Guy. Now, I would do all the podcasts talking like this. We'd talk about the Lord Jesus, do all sorts of verses, but I think I'll talk like this because I think it's probably... Probably probably best to do these subjects without the accent, but uh, we did the story of unwavering faith. Today we are doing a fragile faith. I am joined with my lovely bride, Kara. Say hi, Kara. Hello, Kara. There you go. So anyway, it was a great time last week. We'll continue on this week. I hope you're enjoying it. Anyway, we'll uh, have Brian do the message, and uh, Kara and I will talk about it with Brian, and hopefully everybody will learn something and uh, bring you a little closer to the Lord. All right, Brian? All right. So, can you imagine everyone packed into Memorial Stadium waiting for the Huskers to play a big game when out of nowhere a loud voice booms, I am the God of Dan, Kara, and Brian. People would obviously be a bit shaken having heard the voice of God, but also wondering, who is Dan? and Kara, and Brian. Well, I think we can safely say that's not too likely to happen. But God did introduce himself many times as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, that raises the question, who are these guys? Abraham we know quite a bit about. We studied him in the previous season of Genesis, chapters 12 to 25. And Jacob, well, we'll get to him. There's plenty of material in Genesis about him. But what about Isaac? We know almost nothing about Isaac. One commentator stated he's the man with a great father and a great son, but he's just the link in between. For sure, he must have been a remarkable man of faith for God to identify himself as the God of Isaac, right? Well, about all we know is in this one chapter of the Bible— Genesis chapter 26. Yet, if we understand what God is saying about Isaac, we have every reason for hope in our own lives. So Genesis 26 simply pulls out a few events in Isaac's life to give us glimpses of his relationship with God. This one chapter covers 40 years in the life of Isaac. The chapter opens with these words. Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. The famine of Abraham's day was from Genesis chapter 12. It was about a hundred years prior to this one. So really, why even bring it up? The writer is wanting us to remember when Abraham faced the big famine, he had a crisis of faith, and he headed to Egypt. If you remember, he lied about Sarah being his sister. He really made a mess of things. Will Isaac make the same mistakes? Well, like father, like son. 
Sure enough, Isaac heads for Egypt. Only God appears to Isaac and stops him before he leaves the land. God tells Isaac to stop and not go to Egypt, to trust him, and he will bless him. One interesting note about Isaac, he's the only one of the patriarchs in Genesis who never left the land. Abraham, Jacob, and Joseph all did, but not Isaac. You remember Abraham would not even let Isaac leave to find a wife. It's as if Isaac's faith was so fragile, there was concern that if he left the land of promise, he would never return again. So then why does God promise to bless Isaac? Well, it was not because of his great faith or courage. He wasn't particularly courageous or faithful. God promised to bless him because Abraham obeyed God, so God promised to bless his children. Isaac was blessed because God promised, not because Isaac deserved it. We call this grace. Isaac was living in Gerar. This is where his father Abraham had lied about Sarah being his sister. Isaac was also afraid that the Philistines would try to kill him to take Rebekah, his wife, so he told her to lie and say that she was his sister. As I said, like father, like son. Once again, more fear than faith. God was taking really good care of Isaac and Rebekah. There was no reason to lie. But Isaac became fearful, and he made a stupid decision. Again, God intervened, and disaster was averted. Next, we're surprised to learn that God so blessed Isaac that the Philistines asked him to move away because he was too powerful. I say we are surprised to learn because one would not think God would bless Isaac with such a weak and fragile faith. But he did. Why? Because he promised Abraham he would bless his son. It's more grace. Next, we are told that each time Isaac dug a working well, the Philistines wanted it, so Isaac had to move rather than fight. While this may have been very discouraging for Isaac, in reality, God was moving Isaac one well at a time back to the land where he belonged. Finally, Isaac gets pushed back to the place he never should have left in the first place. There he digs a well, he pounds in his tent pegs, and he makes his home. It's important to understand God wasn't moving Isaac to punish him. He was moving him to get him back where he wanted him so he could pour out his blessings on him. Isaac may have been discouraged by God allowing the Philistines to keep moving him, but God was up to something for Isaac's good. And God did bless Isaac, so much so that the Philistine king came to visit Isaac and acknowledged that they were afraid of Isaac and his God. They could see how powerful Isaac's God was by how much Isaac was blessed. They asked Isaac to make a covenant with them so they would all live in peace. You know, it's an amazing moment since the land belonged to the Philistines. But they invited Isaac to stay and live in peace because they feared his God. So Isaac lived in peace with his family, and God blessed him. End of the chapter. Isaac does not emerge from this chapter as a great man of faith. Really quite the opposite. He appears to have a fragile faith dominated by his fears. But yet God blessed him. 
so much that the pagans were afraid of him. Why? Because God promised Abraham that he would. When we believe our blessings from God depend on our performance, we worry every day about what's coming next. We keep waiting for God to whack us for messing up again. But our salvation is not based on our performance. It's based on God's grace. We receive the promise of salvation by faith, not by good works. We are blessed by God because we are God's children, not because we deserve it. We all mess up for one reason or another. Thankfully, God's grace is greater than our sins. God blesses us, not because we deserve it, but because he promised. We can rejoice that the story is not about our great faith, but about God's great faithfulness. That should put a smile on your face today. So let's bring in Dan and Kara. Let's talk about this. Well, Brian, when you hear that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you're expecting these huge giants of faith, but then there's Isaac. Yeah, so that is what you're expecting, and that's kind of the way the whole Old Testament story goes. You're expecting these great giants of faith, and they do have moments of really tremendous faith, but they were also humans and times of fear, and times when they just made a mess of things, and we're again and again reminded this is about God's faithfulness and not how well these people performed all the time. Like I said last week, he just picks regular people that have flaws so we can relate to these people. And people, these guys had problems with faith, and it says God appears to Isaac. He appeared. He saw he, he literally appeared to him and he lacked faith. I mean, so if you're struggling with that and you're like these are good examples to let you know, hey, you're not the only one that is struggling with having more faith. Isaac did too and God actually appeared to him. I think the thing that defines these Old Testament heroes like this are just what you said. They're they're not great performers, but again and again and again, they keep getting back up, right? choosing to trust God, and moving forward. And I think that's what defines their story because they, they did mess up. Absolutely, and that's what we need to do. We need to get back up and keep going. Exactly. Don't get discouraged. Yep. Get back up. You got Jesus living in your heart. He's with you. Just trust him. When you fall down, get back up. You know, a lot of times I'll go to bed at night and go, oh, man, I really screwed that up, or I really shouldn't, blah, blah, blah. And then I just pray, you know, God, tomorrow's a new day. Getting back up and going back at it. That's gone. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. The devil wants you to look in the past and to look at this and look how you did, and that's wrong, and look at you, you bad sinner. You know what? You get back up and you move on. That's what God wants us to do. Yeah. Last episode, we talked about Abraham dying satisfied with life. And I don't think that means living it perfectly every day. I think it means just what you just said. You keep getting back up. You trust God. You keep moving forward. And, and at the end of that life, 
I think there'll be a satisfaction. Absolutely. You're not perfect. Jesus was the only one that was perfect, and you're never going to be him. But you strive to be like him, but you're never going to be perfect. So, man, just get up and keep going. Just get up and keep going. Well, you know, sometimes you're on this high. You witness to someone or you write a book or you have a good sermon or you— I'm living it and the whole thing. And then some days I just feel like such a phony. It's hard. People... I like how she looks at you and goes, Do you have a good sermon? And she was, Oh, you, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Yo, no, what, you know. What else does that hey, mean? Hey, Dan do? is a, is a right. good witness for the Lord. <laughs> but, you know, people talk to me about things. I'm sure, you know, I know they go to you. That's your job. I just feel like such a phony sometimes. Because uh, I have faith and I trust God, but it's not about the love we have for God because, I, I mean, I love God, but our life ebbs and flows, right? But it's how much he loves us, and that's what we hitch our wagon to. And just to remind people listening that it's about God's love for us. It's about what God's done for us, not what we're doing for him. Because if you live your life like that, you will feel like a phony. I feel like such a fake sometimes because of what goes on in my head and uh, how I treat people sometimes and how, I don't know, sometimes I go into my shell and (laughs) don't want to come out. But God is faithful. So I I don't know. I'm just kind of going off on that because if I feel that way, I know someone listening feels that way. Absolutely. I think it's very common. Because our... Salvation is based on faith and the grace of God, not our performance. Then it takes a certain amount of faith and I would say mental discipline to remember that's equally true on my worst days as it is on my best days. You know, if if I deliver a really good sermon, Mm -hmm. and that happened one time, (laughs) if I do that... (laughs) God doesn't declare me more righteous, I'm not more loved, I'm not more accepted on that day than I am when I do something and really make a mess of things. And that's so hard for us to process in a performance-based culture. Right. But on my best days and my worst days, God loves me just the same, and I'm equally righteous before God, and I have to believe that to keep getting up and putting one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward and trying to grow in my willingness to trust him and and to walk by faith. And two, I I like how you say God was up to something for Isaac's good. And that is hard to understand as a believer sometimes because you can cry out to God. I always tell my friend, you can be respectfully angry at God, but you can still trust that whatever he's up to, it's for your benefit but it's, it's hard. Yeah, it's, that's one of my favorite parts of that chapter. It is crazy that we waited so long for the birth of Isaac, but this is really the only chapter where we know anything about Isaac. It's just limited to this one chapter, but one of my favorite parts of the chapter is he keeps digging these wells, which in the ancient Near East was a very difficult job. You finally strike water. And the Philistines come up right behind, they take the well, and he has to move on. When you're reading the text, it's like, who cares? It's one well after another, but you finally realize this is God moving him back to where he belonged so he could bless him. But Isaac wouldn't have seen it that way. He just would have been frustrated. Why doesn't God stop the Philistines or do something? Because it's what he would have wanted. Yeah. 
You just, right. yeah, you have to trust God even when it doesn't seem to make any sense. You talked about it you, in the, the last session, basically not helping God out or trying to orchestrate something for yourself, I guess. It's hard, though, sometimes, Brian, to know what your part is in something. Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. You just have to let God do his work. You just kick back. I mean, it's like when you want to tell somebody about the Lord. It's hard to do. You look for openings. I tell God every night before I go to bed, hey, tomorrow, what I'm out about, give me an opening. Give me an opening. You know, somebody will say something like, man, you're always so happy or you're always, how come you're like, and the world's like this. That's an opening. There's always an opening in conversation. So I always just pray for an opening, and I don't stress out about it. It's like if God's going to give an opening, he's going to give an opening. It's like this podcast. I, you know, I can make people laugh and smile, and but I want to give them something, you know, people can listen and we can, you know, hopefully maybe change their heart because people need heart changes. You know, and boom, next thing you know. This opportunity showed up out of nowhere, and I took the opportunity. So that happens. You know, you just have to keep your eyes open and keep your keep your mind open to what God wants you to do. I mean, it may not come along for two or three years, but it's going to come along. I mean, it took me, you know, I mean, this took— 50 years to come along, well, you know, whatever. But it came along, and it's turned into other things, and now people are tuning in, and they're sending me stuff, and, you know, this could lead to something else. Who knows? But you just have to, like, be faithful, stay in the Word, and if you fall down, get back up and let God work. Don't give up. Don't go, ah, this is God. You know what I mean? You got to stay strong. You got to get back up. And it's like Kara said, this isn't about us. This is about God, what God does for us. We can't do anything for him. He's doing it for us. This isn't ours. This is all, this is all his timeline. You know, this is, he created all this. So this is all about him. This isn't about us. So I'm going to, I'm going to take his grace and I'm thankful for his grace. And I'm going to, I know I'm going to fall down again at some point, but I'm going to get back up and I'm going to do the best I can. And I'm going to stay engaged, and I'm and I'm going to do my best to not get discouraged. Uh, keep an open mind. Look for those openings because God will give you openings. He'll at some point he'll show you something to take, and if you you know, and then you just take it. So I have a question though. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I like that you raised your hand. I was building to this great <laughs> yes. ending, and then uh-huh. here I, it comes. Sorry, I crushed your ending. So how do you determine what is your will and what is God's will? Because everybody's been in those situations, those circumstances, when you don't know what to do. You might have some desire that you want, and you, I, I try to pray about that. Like, what do you want versus what I want? But Your how, will is comfortable. His will is uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I mean, yes and no, right? But, it, I mean, it's so obvious that he moved Isaac on. But how do I determine the difference between right. my will and his? Because Isaac wouldn't have seen it that way. He probably would, would have just been frustrated. He keeps getting moved on. Mm-hmm. And then only probably in hindsight would have maybe understood what God was doing. So when we talk about the will of God— there's God's sovereign will, which will come to pass. And then there's what we call God's desired will, which is what he wants. He desires for all people to be saved. Mm-hmm. But that may or may not come to pass. And then there's God's revealed will. And this gets to the practical part of your question. 
So there's things in the Bible where God says, this is my will. So one of the things I encourage people to do is first make sure you're being obedient to what you know is right, what you know God has asked of you. So it doesn't really make sense to ask for God's mysterious will if you're ignoring his will that he's already revealed to you. So it's it's God's will that you be spirit-filled. It's God's will that you be sexually pure. It's God's will that you be willing to suffer for my sake. There's a number of those statements in the New Testament. Okay. So that's the first thing I do. It's, it's like a heart check. Am I being obedient to what I know God has asked of me? And then I think it's based on principles. I, I don't think it gets down to whether you should buy a blue car or yellow car. I think it's that would be like a stewardship issue. Okay. And so you're thinking through principles, and, and I'm absolutely convinced if the intent of your heart is to walk in obedience to God, he has his ways of getting you there. The path may be a little zigzaggy where he has to steer you back and forth a little bit. But the, the answer to your question is only you can examine, is this my will and I'm wanting God to bless it? Or am I really open and seeking God's will? And that's really what I want, and I'm going to have to take steps, and he'll nudge me and steer me and block me to get me where he wants me. Okay. So it's not always— Still trusting him. Still trusting him, but it's not always a straight path. It's clear. You just kind of have to take one step at a time and trust God with the rest. So it is a little bit like Isaac. You're just getting nudged along— but it may not always make sense in the moment. I mean, I take comfort in that because I always want to be where God wants me to yeah. be. I think it, the stress is in the misstep. Yeah. I don't want to misstep. But even if your heart, your intent, your motive is right, you know, you're, you're not doing that to sin against God. Even in the misstep, he can still steer yeah. me. I think God understands that and will steer okay. you. Yeah. But you think about the wells in this passage. So we're not digging wells, but it could be physical illness. It could be financial stuff. It could mm-hmm. be job changes. It could be moving. It, it could be all kinds of things that are creating the need for change. And God has his way of getting you where he wants. It's once you understand where, what God wants and you choose to rebel against that. Because you want something different. Your right. desire is yeah, something then, other So it's probably kind of, easier for him to steer you on a road that's not as cluttered. You know, so if you're cluttering the road with other things, he has to steer you around a lot of your dumb clutter that you're not taking care of. Yeah, Where selfish if you would, ambition maybe. Yes, so if you would take care of some of that clutter. In other yep. words, if you're fully dedicated to Christ, if you're really fully, God, t- I'm yours, but if you're holding a few things back, like you're kind of not, but you kind of are, those are cluttering the road. And so he's got to steer you around a bunch of stuff. And it, it'd be easier for you to just clear the path. You know, and eventually you probably will clear the path. Yeah. But right, sometimes you clutter it for him, and he has to steer you around things. Does that make sense? Yeah. I I think at the end of the day, if your heart is right, God has his ways. Right. Right. That's, I take a, That's the comfort. I mean, I live my life thinking that I was orchestrating my own 
situations. And it's so much more peaceful to know I'm not in control. Yeah. Way, way more peaceful. Yeah. You know. A lesson Jacob is going to have to learn. Now that's an ending. Now that's a pretty good ending. See, normally <laughs> I end it, but Brian, that was you. That's know, amazing. With the, you even had the, she the loved tone on the voice. <laughs> and that's a story Jacob will have to learn. Thanks for listening to Talkin' Truth. Dan, Brian, and Kara will be back again next week to continue their study in Genesis. Now, if today's episode has brought some encouragement to your life, be sure to share it with your friends. And we'd love to hear from you at TalkinTruth.com. That's talk, the letter N, truth.com. Visit us today.